inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. All right, thanks for checking into another episode of Doing Ministry Well. I'm your host, Jim Baker, and uh, we are sitting on a property here on eight acres in Ahualoa, and uh, I am really excited to have uh, Derek Schoenhoff on the show. Derek, thanks so much for being on the show. Great to be here, thanks. Uh, Derek, I'm trying to think of a, a good story that we have together. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the first time I met you, you were speaking in my school of photography in Kona in 2008, and the one thing that I remember, and maybe we can do that with our listeners now, is you had us close our eyes, and uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You want yeah, Let's sure. just do that with our listeners right now. Sure. Uh, don't close your eyes if you're driving listening to this podcast, though. That's my little disclaimer. But uh, Derek, why don't you just take it away? <laughs> well, basically what I did was I said, uh, I just want you to close your eyes and imagine that you're three years old. And then... Uh, you feel a tap on your shoulder, and it's God, and God says, hey, I want to play a game. What game do you want to play? And then I just uh, tell them, just imagine you're playing that game with God. And I give them a, you know, quite a, quite a while to do that. And uh, I'm always amazed at the games people play. Afterwards, I ask them, um, you know, what game are you playing? And they play things like hide and seek, they play tag, they play, um, you know, dress up. And I uh, had one kid said that he was sitting on God's lap playing Super Mario Brothers. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I've always discovered, you know, what surprises people when we talk about it afterwards. I ask, you know, um, was God busy at the time? Was he like, you know, texting his friends or. And he's never busy. It's like he—they're he, the only thing that that matters to him. Um, it's not a place where there's any fear, which is always surprising. Um, it's just a, a place where they feel like they're the complete focus of God's attention, and they always have these amazing experiences. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome, Derek. How long have you been uh, doing ministry? Well, it's always been a difficult question for me because I. I've never compartmentalized ministry. I've always seen it as just um, taking the things that we've learned about God and sharing it with the people around us. Uh, so in that sense, you know, my parents um, joined Youth with a Mission when I was five, and uh, that kind of introduced me to the mission life. And then Dad uh, was a pastor for a while, and. Um, and so that's kind of introduced me to the more concrete part of ministry. But I, I, when I was in college, I would lead a ministry team. We'd go off and do um, retreats and youth camps and stuff on the weekends. And I'd preach. We'd do music and stuff like that. So I guess it's just always kind of been a part of my life. <laughs> I even remember doing, a, you know, playing at an old folks' home when I was a kid. I, I'd learned to play the trumpet starting at about age eight. And I remember my mom would march us down to the senior citizen's home <laughs> to do ministry there, you know, and I was probably 10 or 11. And uh, I remember this old lady came up to me and said, I love it when you play the trumpet. I don't have to wear my hearing aid. <laughs> 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 but even earlier than that, when we were living in Venice, actually, um, we were part of Youth at the Mission and YWAM was buying this ship called the Anastasis. And we had all these kids living, we were all living at this campground in Venice and one day one of the older people decided we should do something with all these kids and so we devised this um, 
strategy of reenacting stories about Jesus. And so we'd go down to the main square in Venice, and uh, I remember we were reenacting Jesus and Zacchaeus. And uh, my brother was Jesus, of course, because he was always Jesus, it seemed, and everything. And I was not even Zacchaeus, I was the tree. Oh. Yeah, and I had a sign hanging around my neck that said tree in like seven different languages. <laughs> and and uh, Zacchaeus would come along and climb up me and sit on my shoulders and Jesus would walk by. You know what was amazing was, uh, you know, even doing those those looking back, you know, uh, absurd little silly dramas, uh, I'm amazed that people gave their lives to the Lord through them. Hmm. I remember this one guy came up to me, he was probably about 40 years old, and he came up to me and he said, I need Jesus, and he hmm. was just crying. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, you know, he's over there, I'm, I'm the tree. <laughs> Send him to my brother. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, Derek, what are you currently doing in, in ministry? What, uh, what kind of things are you into right now? Um, I travel and speak a lot on uh, reconciliation, on uh, the nature and character of God, on uh, healing through forgiveness, on leadership is kind of a new thing that I'm developing. But uh, I pastor a little church here as well, here in Hawaii, Pu'uanahulu uh, Baptist Church, which is a historic church here in Hawaii. It used to be down by the ocean, and then uh, in the 1800s there was a lava flow and the lava came and it wiped out the village and the palaces and everything, but it stopped and it went in a rectangle around the church. Wow. And the same thing happened in 1870. And you can still go down to Kiholo Bay today and see where it used to sit. There's like black lava and then there's like this rectangle of sand where the church used to sit. Wow. And in 1872, uh, they packed the church up, put it on donkeys and moved it up to where it sits today, higher up the mountain. And it just kind of served the cowboys and the ranches around the area here on the Big Island. Hmm. And so it's a well-known story here in Hawaii about that church. Uh, and so that, that's the church that I pastor. And uh, so I'm involved in that. I still do a lot of speaking within YWAM too. Mm -hmm. And at churches and conferences. I have a book coming out pretty soon uh, called Planting God to Grow Church. And uh, so those are pretty much the kind of ministry stuff I'm doing. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your book that you're writing. It's uh, kind of the idea that there's been a lot of focus on church planting, on planting ministries, and, and it's really exciting to see, you know, what God is doing in those areas. Uh, but I've just been kind of refreshed with the reminder from God that our calling is really just to plant God into the lives of the people around us. Hmm. Whatever we know about Him, whatever we've learned, to just share that with the people around us and then see what he wants to grow. Hmm. And it might not look anything like a church. It might not look like a ministry that we've seen before. But when we think about how ministries started, they didn't really, the effective ones didn't start with some guy saying, I'm going to plant a ministry that is going to do this and this and this. It's more like, hey, you know, God's stirring and doing something and what does he want us to do? And it grew more organically than I think a lot of the plant stuff is, uh, you know, it's almost like GMOs, spiritual GMOs now. It's like people are, you know, planting these hybrids as opposed to just going back and saying, we don't even know what God wants to grow. What we do know is that the seed is good because in the story of the sower and the seed, you know, the seed was good seed. And uh, it was the soil that where their issues were, but the seed was good. And we just need to take those seeds and plant them in the lives of the people around us. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Derek, um, in all of your time in ministry, uh, how many how many nations have you been in during that time? Ninety eight. So Ninety eight yeah. so far. All right. Is there is there a highlight or a couple highlights of your time in ministry um, that you can share with us? I think you know the highlights are always seeing what God is doing among young people in particular, because that kind of gives you a, a idea of where the global church is headed. You know, the fastest growing church in the world is in China. Um, some numbers are 40,000 new Christians a day. Some are 70,000 new Christians a day. Whatever it is, it's it's like filling up whatever the biggest stadium is that's in your city with new Christians every single day. Wow. It's pretty staggering. Uh, so that's exciting. I've seen people humble themselves before the Lord and ask for forgiveness on behalf of their nations, on behalf of their cultures, on behalf of whatever group they represent, and seeing the Lord do amazing things. Um, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, awesome. Um, what would you say has been the biggest struggle uh, throughout ministry? Uh, I'm just watching my kids blow some kind of horn down there. Uh, <laughs> in case you're wondering what that is in the background, we're not on a cruise ship, we're not pulling out of port, but uh, somebody's blowing a horn. Um, the biggest struggle in ministry, I think, is always, you know, the the tension that we have of being ministers of the gospel and still keep keeping our own personal walk with God hmm. and our intimate and, and retaining intimacy with God. You know, some people might talk about the balance between ministry and family and all that stuff, but I think all of that just boils down to are we walking in intimacy with God? If we are, all that other stuff works itself out. But I think finding that time to just spend not time in the Word preparing for a sermon, or time in the Word preparing for a speech, or time in the Word preparing for, you know, a blog or whatever, or researching the Word for my book, or whatever it is, you know, but to actually just spend time with the Lord, uh, myself, for myself, I think is, is always something we need to be reminded of, and it's probably my biggest struggle, I think, as I, as, you know, I've got a wife and kids and all these ministry things going on, and then and then, you know, outside of ministry too, uh, there's other projects that I'm working on. Um, and to retain all of that and still recognize that my most important need is um, is developing my relationship with God. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, the bulk of the show really is just is this question. Uh, if you could give three practical tips to our listeners on how to do ministry well, uh, what would those three things be? I think... Uh, the first is, you know, probably relating back to what I, I just talked about, is develop your own relationship pattern with God, your own healthy relationship pattern with God. Really work on that, uh, because in that place God speaks to you, so He gives you direction, you know, He gives you guidance, He gives you encouragement when, you, when you're down and you're discouraged, when people are attacking you. Uh, if you have that intimate walk with God, then a lot of that stuff just brushes off you. I, I remember... Uh, somebody telling me one time about how offended they were about something and I told them, you know, there's no offense that we carry that can't just be laid at the foot of the cross. Mm. And they were talking about going to that person and confronting them and all stuff. And I said, you know, the, you know, none of the stuff you've shared with me can't just be left at the foot of the cross. And I think, you know, if we have the intimate time with God, then 
that's where a lot of that stuff dissolves. Mm. Uh, I think the second thing is to is to really understand leadership and be a better leader. There's no excuse anymore for people to not know how to be a better leader. I would say that was probably true in the past when resources were hard to come by. But you can go online now. You can watch you know YouTube videos of John Maxwell. You can find all these kinds of things. People who are experienced in leadership. And John, you know, shared a story about the book that he wrote with the 21 whatever it was that everything every leader needs to have and he says a guy came up to him and said you know man I wish I wish I would have heard you 20 years ago I would have learned so much stuff and John said no you don't <laughs> because 20 years ago I didn't have any of this stuff <laughs> right. uh, but the reality is we have these resources now at our disposal and uh, and so to really work hard at becoming a better leader of people uh, and better at inspiring people better at uh, understanding the history of where, where we've come from as a church and where we're going as a global church, uh, just you know, being visionary and, and finding visionary people and, and all that kind of stuff that's part of leadership I think is important. And then the third thing is to love your family. You know, I think that's absolutely critical. Hmm. Family's just so important. It's how God defines himself as Father, Jesus as Son. And uh, so have children, have you know families and really be able to focus on them because that's really where we also learn a lot more about God and about ourselves. Hmm, that's good. Um, yeah, and a couple of these questions have asked, it seems like it really comes back to intimacy with the Lord um, for you. And so uh, could you expound on that a little bit for our listeners? What is, how do you cultivate uh, an intimate relationship with the Lord? I think first of all is to recognize that the greatest gift that he gives to us is free will. Uh, free will is the biggest sign of his love for us hmm. and we have free will because we're made in the image of god and he's got free will <laughs> hmm. he's god he can do whatever he'd like and he created us in our in, in his image and so we also have free will and so it begins with a choice you know that we need to make a decision that intimacy with god is a priority for us once we've made that decision it's like somebody wants to you know quit smoking or something if they don't want to quit it's gonna be very hard for them but if they really want to quit, it makes it so much easier. Mm. Well, it's kind of the same thing, not to equate relationship with God mm. with smoking, but uh, if you, when you decide to have a relationship with God, and you decide, I need to increase intimate relationship with God, making that decision is the first step. And then it becomes prioritizing it. For me, it's understanding that God is primarily relational, that he's a relational God. He's so much less concerned about what we do for him then do we know him and are we relating to him because what we do for him you know has i guess a certain splash but um it's not m more important than than relationship with him mm. and, and i like to couch it this way i remember when i was a kid and i was about four years old i went outside my dad was mowing the lawn and i went out there and like every four-year-old i said what are you doing and he said, I'm cutting the grass. And so he flips the lawnmower over, he shows me the blades, and he says, you know, it, this cuts the grass. And I said, well, why are you doing that? He said, because if we don't, the grass will go really tall. We won't be able to find you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, this is important. But then my dad did better than that. He took me down to the uh, uh, hardware store, and he, and he got me my own lawnmower. Hmm. And so every Saturday morning, we'd be out there mowing the lawn together. And I felt really bad because his lawnmower didn't blow bubbles. I was like, man, your lawnmower sucks. You know, do you want to trade lawnmowers? And he's, on, he's like, no, that's fine. And so every Saturday morning we're out there and he'd fill his lawnmower with gasoline, I'd fill mine with bubble stuff. And there's just <laughs> bubbles everywhere, you know, for about two hours, just this constant stream of bubbles going into the air. Years later, 
I realized my lawnmower didn't even cut the grass. <laughs> and I remember I was talking to the Lord about our giftings and talents and abilities, and the Lord brought that memory back to mine. He said, Derek, it's my work. I'm doing the work. It's too dangerous for you anyways. Mm. The whole reason I give you any kind of gifting or talent is because I want you to enjoy relationship with me in the process of me doing my work. And the reality is the reason why my dad got me that lawnmower wasn't so that I would help him cut the grass, because I wasn't even cutting the grass. He got me the lawnmower because, you know, for a couple hours, every Saturday morning, we were out there doing something really important. And I, you know, it was just time that I spent with my dad. Mm. And I look back at those times uh, as being very precious. Uh, you know, my brother was there too. And we, you know, it was just, it was just enjoying that time with dad because he was working on the weekdays. And, you know, it was just a very precious time. And I, and, I, and I began to understand that our relationship with God, that God is so much less concerned about, you know, what we're doing for him then are we enjoying the relationship with him? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, has there been anything that's been inspiring you lately? A, a resource, a book, a, a YouTube video, a conversation? What's what's really been providing as a source of inspiration for you recently? Yeah, I, I've recently just been um, getting very excited about leadership. I was speaking uh, to a group of CEOs and... Uh, and company people in uh, Indianapolis and I was just kind of blown away by by just how the one thing they all had in common was they were exceptional leaders mm. and they just ate and breathed leadership stuff and uh, and that really challenged me over these last you know several months to just really soak myself in leadership things I'm reading a book and I forget the name of the author but it's uh, called mindset and uh, it really has been helping me with uh, just setting my mind on these things and discovering how to make that all work together. So that's been an exciting resource for me. And I personally have just been really soaking myself in understanding the leadership of Moses and Joshua. Hmm. And uh, that's been really interesting too, just to um, kind of saturate myself in understanding uh, the transition between God the provider on one side of the Jordan and on the other side of the Jordan you know, God the warrior and protector. Hmm. You know, the manna came miraculously provided on one side. On the next side, the manna stopped. So two different kinds of leaders were required. And Moses was the law guy, and he was the guy who uh, helped them develop as a nation, uh, prepare them to be a nation, but you can't really see him fighting a battle. I mean, the only time he killed somebody, he <laughs> buried him in the sand and then hid for 40 years, you know, so he wasn't really the one to lead them into battle. On the other hand, Joshua, you know, he was a warrior like a, you know, Mel Gibson and Braveheart kind of guy, inspiring people by, by his leadership on the field, and a totally different kind of a leader, but he was the kind of leader they needed for that side of the River Jordan. Yeah. And uh, so just understanding those different dynamics and, and, and God's uh, different you know, he, he, it wasn't a different God, but he definitely showed these shifts in, in what he was doing uh, as provi miraculous provider and then as, as miraculous protector warrior on the other side. So just been kind of soaking in that for a while. Hmm, that's good. That's good. What, do you feel like there's some real practical leadership uh, skills or tips that, uh, that are just kind of jumping out at you right now that you think our, our uh, listeners would really benefit from? Well, I think the biggest one is, you know, hearing God, because the one thing you see, the biggest mistake in Joshua was with the Gibeonites, and, he, and it says he did not seek the Lord. 
So his biggest mistake in leadership was when he didn't seek the Lord. Yeah. So seeking the Lord is, is, is for us as Christians, as leaders, needs to be the primary step. And then after that, um, you know, standing for the Word of God, you know, you see Joshua and Caleb, you know, giving the report, uh, the only of the only two of the twelve that that stood for the word of the Lord, and that came because Joshua understood what was going on historically. He understood this was the this was the fulfillment of the promise of God to Abraham, hmm. and so whether or not there were giants were irrelevant. They were going to go take that land because God had led them to that point, and they were the ones who were supposed to, you know, fulfill the covenant of God to Abraham and get into the promised land. And so whatever the obstacle was in Joshua and Caleb's mind, was it an obstacle? It was just, you know, how is God going to prove himself great because we're going to go take this? And so they really understood the history and they really understood the story of God and they really understood the purposes and all that kind of stuff. Not just being visionary about the future, but understanding how it relates to the past as well. Yes. Because I think sometimes new leaders, their tendency is to just, you know, cut off the past and try and do something new. And, and they might succeed for a while, but it's not going to have any real root because it's not founded in the roots mm. of what God has been doing. So uh, to see that continuity has been really interesting. Um, and so those are kind of two of the main things I've been looking at. Yeah. Um, you mentioned seeking the Lord as the, as the first one and uh, just hearing his voice, being obedient. I think that uh, often in, in our circles, you know, in the YWAM circle, we're real big on hearing the voice of the Lord. And that's something we've gotten a lot of teaching on. Um, but I remember before YWAM, I didn't even realize that God actually spoke today. So um, for our listeners that just aren't used to hearing the voice of God, um, what is what is seeking the Lord look like in a leadership position? Well, I think the whole premise of hearing God's voice comes from an understanding that God is relational, and so hearing His voice shouldn't be that difficult. It'd be like the big cosmic joke, if God created us for a relationship but never spoke to us. <laughs> yeah. And then, when you read through Scripture, it's amazing how many times we read, and God said, and God said, and God said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said to Ezekiel, and the Lord said to Daniel, and God said to Isaiah, and the Lord said to... And we read that you know, hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old Testament, and it never dawns on us, oh, God's speaking. Hmm. When it says the Lord said, that meant that God was speaking. And when it says, and Isaiah did what the Lord said, that means he heard God's voice. Hmm. You know, so throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, we see people hearing God's voice, whether it's, you know, Saul on the road to Tarsus, or Ananias speaking, you know, God speaking to Ananias, or, you know, all of these areas in the New Testament, too, uh, Phil, um, Peter with a vision. I mean, it just it goes on and on. And, you know, of course, all the visions that John had and, you know, Joseph, see, you know, with an angel. I mean, there's all these throughout all of Scripture consistently for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. God was speaking and people were hearing him. So it'd be absolutely absurd to suddenly think that now God doesn't speak and we don't hear him. Hmm. It'd be like, you know, what on earth happened to God? Because for 10,000 years or whatever, how many thousands of years he was speaking, and now all of a sudden, here we are in 2015, and, you know, God's the great muted voice. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Right. So first of all, we have to understand that he does speak. And then secondly, we have to figure out how does he speak to us. Um, and people like to say, well, he speaks through his word. Well, that's very true. But for most of history, people didn't have the Word of God. Hmm. And yet we have Moses having these conversations with God, Noah having these conversations with God, you know, uh, Adam, all the way back to Adam, having conversations with God. They didn't have the Bible with them. So, yes, God does speak through His Word, 
But there's other ways that he communicates to us too. And uh, Elijah talks about, you know, that still small voice that spoke to him. And, um, and so it's figuring out, when I ask God to speak, what is the very next thing that comes into my head? Because he says over and over in Scripture, Call unto me and I'll answer you. And David testifies, I called to the Lord and he heard me. You know, in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mysterious things you do not know. So from the beginning, when God said, Let there be light, he was speaking. So how does he speak to us? Well, sometimes he speaks to us through an impression or a feeling or through a still small voice or through pictures, through visions, through dreams. Occasionally, although this has never happened to me, through an audible voice. Most of the time in scripture when it was an audible voice is because they were um, ignoring God in a lot of other ways or they were afraid and God had to really get their attention. <laughs> you know, Moses had run away for 40 years from his calling to lead the people out of Israel and he sees this burning bush and hear, hears God's voice audibly. You know, uh, Saul on the road to Tarsus, you know, bright light falls off his horse, whatever, and he hears the voice of God saying, why do you persecute me, the voice of Jesus speaking to him. So those are, there's a few occasions where it's audible, but I think most of the time, because God is a spirit, if he spoke audibly to, to us, he would just scare us. You know, it's like, hey, Jim, it's like, what, 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 you know, geez, stop scaring me like that, dude. Uh, so he speaks to us, you know, through these feelings and impressions and things. After a while of trusting that it's God speaking, we get better and better at recognizing his voice mm. and just doing the things he tells us to do. I got to a point in my life where I said, okay, God, I would rather do all the things you tell me to do, even if it isn't your voice sometimes and I make mistakes, I'd rather get to heaven and say, God, I, you, I did everything you told me to do, as opposed to standing there going, well, I didn't know if it was you speaking. That would just sound yeah. kind of stupid. So, and I just trust God in his goodness that he would prevent me from doing anything really stupid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. And of course, there's principles to remember if you're making big decisions, get other people to pray with you about it, see what you know, God is saying to them. If you're, you know, if you're thinking God's telling you to do something that is opposed to his character that we see in scripture, then we know it's not God. You know, if you say, I think God's, you know, somebody comes up and says, I think God is telling me to have an affair with some 16-year-old girl. Well, I can pretty much tell them that that's not God speaking. Yeah. You know, something about do not commit adultery comes to mind. Um, you know, so whatever he speaks will always be consistent with what we see in the Word of God about who he is and his character. Um, a lot of the times he speaks about giving, you know, uh, and he challenges us to give. And... I heard somebody say one time, and I think it was, it was pretty funny, he's saying, you know, if you're at an offering and, and you're being challenged to give and you ask the Lord, how much should I give? And you hear that first voice that says, you know, give X amount of dollars. He said, there's always a second voice that comes in and says, ah, that's kind of a lot. He said, when you hear that second voice, just just say, you know what, I'm going to double that first voice. And double what they told me to give. And it's amazing how, it's amazing how fast that second voice just disappears. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Do you uh, do you have a testimony of hearing hearing the Lord that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners? Just a story that comes to mind is. I think that you know because this is how simple it is. I I was with this group called the Wave USA. We went to fifty states in fifty weeks and just prayed for the country. And when we were in Philadelphia, uh, the Wave the people who were with the Wave wanted to go see the Liberty Bell. I didn't really care. It's a cracked bell, you know. I'd, there's pictures of it online and I didn't want to go stand in line and go look at a bell so I uh, I just said I'll stay with one of their shuttles here uh, and as I was you know I parked the shuttle and I'm kind of sitting in this in this uh, you know shuttle and all of a sudden I thought you know I want to go to Starbucks but 
I didn't have a smartphone and I didn't know where Starbucks was. And immediately I had this thought, it's two blocks down and a block to your left. And I thought, oh, that's ridiculous, you know. But I just couldn't get that thought out of my mind. And I thought, what if this really is where Starbucks is? So I just couldn't stand in the shuttle anymore. I went down two blocks and I looked left and already a block down the road I could see the Starbucks sign. Oh, wow. I go down there and I walk in and the first thing I see is there's only one comfortable chair left. And being the selfish guy that I am, I took my bag, stuck it in that chair, went back in the line, got my drink, went back and sat down in that chair. I took my bag down, sit down, and I said to the guy next to me, it is so cold. And he kind of chuckles. He says, where are you from? And I said, Hawaii. He goes, oh, my wife and I have a condo in Hawaii. And, I mean, you know, we get that all the time. Sure. And I said, oh, that's nice. He said, where in Hawaii are you from? I said, uh, Kona. He goes, oh, that's where our condo is, in Kona. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, what do you do? And, I mean, I can answer that with a variety of answers. I'm an author, pastor, whatever, speaker. But I decided to say to him, I work on international reconciliation initiatives. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a retired law professor. I said, oh, what kind of law did you focus on? He said, uh, international reconciliation. <laughs> and I said, well, because most times when people say that, they're talking about financial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm talking about reconciling the wounds in history. And he, I said, so financial reconciliation? He said, no. He said, um, my wife and I have had a focus in the last 40 years on Namibia and doing tribal reconciliation in Namibia. And I just kind of stared at him and I said, are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm Jewish. I said, wow. And so we had this amazing conversation. They come to Hawaii every Christmas uh, for vacation. He's retired now, so they just kind of come and hang out here. And we've gotten together several times since then. And and had these amazing conversations about reconciliation. When I look back at that whole experience, I, I kind of have to laugh. Like, oh, I want to go to Starbucks? That was God? And mm. then two blocks down and a block to your left was God? And then I need to put my bag on the only comfortable chair? <laughs> God even used my selfishness, <laughs> you know? I, I guess he, he knew he could depend on that. I don't know what it was, but you know, <laughs> it's funny when you look at it, that that was all God. And mm. I really think that's how simple it is. Mm. And sometimes we can overcomplicate it, stressing about, you know, is this God or isn't it God? Or God speak to me, I don't hear you, I don't hear you, I don't hear you. When actually he's been speaking to us ever since we were born. We just didn't always recognize that it was him. Mm. That's good. Good. Derek, yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. Would you just uh, close our, our time here and just pray for our listeners? Sure. Lord, I just thank you that you're such an amazing God. I thank you for this global movement that we're a part of, of people who, are, who love you and are called according to your purposes, Lord. Sometimes it's easy for us to kind of forget that in our daily life. We just kind of do our thing and and we forget that we're part of this amazing global movement that in every nation around the world there are people who are worshiping you and serving you and loving you and and we're part of this amazing family this amazing network of people and i just pray for everybody listening uh, to this podcast that they would be blessed today in what they're doing they'd be encouraged in their relationship with you that you would strengthen them in their leadership and in their intimacy with you and in their family life that you would answer questions they have that you would give them guidance when they're uh, in need of wisdom and I just pray Lord that you would just encourage them with your love for them and your faithfulness to them Lord and your kindness to them and I pray your blessing on all these podcasts Lord that they would just minister to our hearts as we listen to them Amen Amen Derek thanks so much for being on the show You're welcome
If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources mentioned on this episode. To find out more about Doing Ministry Well, check out our website, www.doingministrywell.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestion on who we should interview next, email us at doingministrywell at gmail.com. To find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at www.jimjessbaker.com. That's www.jimjessasinjessicabaker.com. All links are Amazon affiliate links and help us out when you make a purchase through them.